Hi, this is Haya, and you're listening to Bloomsbury Radio. Today, we have a very special interview lined up with pianist Drew Sun, who is performing at this year's Bloomsbury Festival in an event called Dancing Chopin. She will be performing alongside some, oh, my bad, contemporary dancers um, um, and, you know, put on a lovely performance that brings in Chopin's third sonata with some great choreography. Ju, how are you? How are you today? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. I'm very happy to be on this interview. It's a pleasure is mine to have you. Um, let's start into this. So how how did this idea come about to, to make a dance, you know, out of Chopin's third sonata? Um, what was what, what thought went into that? So um, this uh, project is highly related to uh, the PhD I'm currently doing. And nice. uh, this performance is sort of a, a first practical um, result of the sort of theoretical and methodological um, writing I did in the past year. And the idea is that um, movements um, in everyone's body, not just dancers, can tell a story. Like how you move every day um, tells other people how you're feeling today, for example. And um, so does music, it, um, it, tells, um, it tells stories. So um, the idea was that the dancers and musicians would agree on a storyline and um, we both, me on my instrument, which is the piano and the dancers on their instrument, which is their body, would be telling the same story. And that is how the music and dance would fit in the end. I think that's really lovely. Um, and, and there is so much to be said about, you know, how our bodies react alongside to music and, and how that can bring about, you know, a reaction or, or a need to move um, with all kinds of music. So it's very nice to see it, you know, set out with a very classical, very famous piece. Um, so how did you meet the contemporary dancers from the palace? You know, what's it been like working with them and, and, and the choreography by Noe Engelbein? Um, what was that process like of discovering, you know, how you want to put these two things together and, and, you know, you play the music and your, you know, your message with the music and, and they can, you know, put their own feelings and their own um, message with their movement. Um, yes, yeah, so um, this was actually um, through the Bloomsbury Festival because I brought up my idea of this concert without having in mind what kind of dance or dancers I would be collaborating with. I yeah. just brought up the idea that I would like to play this piece with some dancers and create a new choreography. Oh, and um, actually through the um, uh, festival. festival, yes, um, I got introduced to the dancers from just up the road. Um, from oh, wow. the place <laughs> and uh, yes <laughs> uh, which is very lucky for yeah. me because uh, it's just you know in the area and mm -hmm. it's, there's such a nice collaboration with just locally um, and uh, yeah and I uh, sort of just emailed through the school and then 
um, a choreographer got in contact, um, Noe, he's uh, the name of my uh, choreographer, and he said he's very interested and he loves music as well. Um, we sort of just hit it off in our first meeting about the idea of telling story um, through music and movement. And then he sort of handpicked um, those dancers. Yeah, we're currently working with. And the process of this whole creation has not been easy uh, because <laughs> just shortly, just shortly after um, we started the collaboration, um, Noé got a job offer in Israel. So now he is actually working in Israel. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, most of the, the creation of the movement and our communication has been um, through Long Zoom, distance. really. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, sort of a reminiscence of our COVID times. Yeah, exactly. That's really interesting, actually, to see how like a the dance yeah. and this performance has has largely come about online. Um, speaks, yeah. you know, to to kind of us adapting to the circumstances we've had over the last yeah. few years and, and and shifting that to to just regular <laughs> practice now with remote working. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it feels like a new world now, almost. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, so, yeah, it's um, also actually um, our, both of our sort of um, inspirations, um, this whole idea of dance and movement came from, originally, for me, came from um, Sir Frederick Ashton. Very interestingly, he's also the founder of the place, the school itself. Really? Um, so no, yes. So um, Noé knows about his work uh, methods very well as well, and which is actually very useful for what we are doing right now through Zoom because um, it sort of involves a part of uh, improvised movements based on the knowledge of the story. And which is what Ashton used um, quite often in some of his ballets. Um, and we would, for example, Noe and I would agree on a story first. And then we would tell the dancers, just use, for example, two to three movements. And he would yeah. teach the movements to the dancers. And then he says, now tell the story with just those movements. Wow. And um, yes, and that's how we've created a, a big part of the work I think that's fantastic um that's so personal as well yeah um what in what is so lucky as well that you know you're all in Bloomsbury at the same time and and you could all see this vision coming to coming to life together yeah, exactly uh, which is fantastic um so we were when we were coming up with the questions this one came up and I, I am intrigued you know, why did you choose Chopin's third sonata um, out of, you know, everything he's composed and just generally all the options you have as a pianist? Um, I think for, for me as a pianist, um, this, this work is like the um, epitome of um, all piano works. It's, it's, a, a <laughs> one, it's so substantial so yeah. expressive and 
in another way, actually, it's so dance-like because I was actually sort of choosing between the second sonata, which is really, really famous as well, and, and this one, the third sonata. Um, and then I decided to go for this one because it just seems more dance friendly, how the whole work is composed and how the phrases are um, quite regular so that it's, it's more danceable as well. Um, so yeah, and I, for me, because um, my thesis is focused on how the dance element could help pianists with interpreting substantial pieces, because yeah. quite often it's one of the reasons why these pieces are hard is that we need to maintain our chain of thoughts over such a long period of time during mm -hmm. performance. And um, yeah, that's also why I've chosen this piece because it's, um, it's long and huge um, and challenging for a pianist just in every way to play it. <laughs> that's excellent, I think, you know, um, yeah. it is a beautiful piece. And it is, I think, going to be very nice to see, you know, bodies adapting yeah. to the movements and to, to the different notes and, and the changes in those notes as well um, as the yeah. piece progresses. Um, so when it came to, you know, choreographing and playing, you know, picking the, picking the music, did you have a story in mind that you wanted to tell? Like, how was it that the story itself came about, you know, the, the dancers are trying to tell that you yourself feel when you're playing this piece, you know, what emotions do you go through and, and what do you think, it, what do you think is there um, when you listen to it? How did that interpretation come about and how did you adapt those things to dance and, and, and to performing the piece? Um, well, so, um, Noah and I actually sat down in a few sessions to talk about the story um, because it is important that the both of us agree on the same storyline because, you know, music is so abstract and everyone can have their own interpretation of what it is. Yes. Um, but in a collaboration, it's important that we agree on, we are telling the same story through separate instruments. Um, and we first agreed upon, we didn't really say the exact sort of feeling we had if we have to pin down, you know, feelings mm -hmm. into exact words. Um, we started with actually giving each movement a color that we think um, oh, wow. it has. Okay. And, and funnily enough, um, we didn't need to discuss. We just came up with the same colors for all the movements. <laughs> um, and, and then we got down to talk about the sort of um, quality or the dynamic in the movement and what um, Noé saw in the music, the energy for his movements. And then um, we finally sort of formed some sort of storyline but it's not necessarily like uh having a very strong plot as in this happens at this time where when with who it's more sort of general representative of um 
problems, joys, sadness and stuff that we would face in our early 20s because we're very close in age. So um, sort of we have very similar experience and perspective of the the world um, Mm -hmm. at this very moment of our life. So we sort of are just telling um, for example, the third movement, we're telling a, a love story um, where, or not a very specific love story, it can be applied to anyone's love story, um, oh. as in there's frustration, there's doubt, there's vulnerability, and there's searching, and in the end, there's the um, affirmation, so um I would like our audience to actually having a rough idea, but not the exact story when they yeah. are watching our performance. And then, because um, we're going to project the colors that we think it is um, onto a, a sort of wall when we perform. And we'd like our audience to form their own story whilst they watch our performance. So I won't... Yeah. Um, I'll give a spoiler right now, but that's the idea of it. I think that's excellent. I also think it's so interesting to see audience interaction with performances like that, where, you know, no one is saying anything. So the story isn't obviously explicit, but there is like a, there is a theme running through. And obviously you and the team have an idea for what you're performing, what you're doing. So I think it's, it's so interesting to see that interaction and I'm sure you're going to hear back from the audience who's there, yeah, you know, how they, how they interpreted it. Um, yes. And it's, it's really nice to hear how you and Noe collaborated really well. You know, you feel very similarly about the piece and, and your mind goes through the same progressions as it, as it goes on. Um, yeah. But what aspects of collaboration did you, you know, maybe find tricky um, when adapting um, a piece to, to to physical movement, was there was there anything that was slightly harder to do um, in this process? I think, um, well, apart from Noe not being able to, you know, physically be here, yeah. um, the main difficulty is that sometimes, because okay. this piece is such a, a, a sort of a complicated piece and there are bits that are quite um contrapuntal mm-hmm. so the um uh, sometimes it takes a, a bit of time for dancers and even Noah to sort of have a grasp of what's happening in the music yeah um and it's actually really nice for me to having to explain to non-musicians what is going on in the music and how it can help them to count the music to dance to because then in my mind I'm having to sort of think of the music in a different perspective yeah. more um, if I may say more mathematical in some sort of way which I don't usually do with pieces that I've learned in the past and think, um, yeah it's yeah it's a completely not completely it's quite a different approach to work with dancers on a piece of music rather than just approaching it from the musician's perspective I think that's ex- yeah I think that's excellent actually um 
it is so interesting to see how different people approach anything and especially with something like music um which can be quite abstract I guess um it's nice to see how people who you know have different experiences who have different aims when on trying to understand the piece will approach it so when you meant when you say you know approaching something more mathematically to find the the count for them to dance that's something you know perhaps you wouldn't think of what the average listener wouldn't you know try to find um so it's it's really interesting to see that and I think the more you view something um in different perspectives maybe the greater appreciation you have for it afterwards so I I have no doubt that (laughs) Chopin's third sonata (laughs) is very personal for you now um yeah and you're very close to it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly um what do you hope to get out of the project um what do you want the audience to take away and what do you hope to have learned or what have you learned from collaborating and working on this project I think for me it is um my sort of first taster on approaching music with a sort of a different aim Mm-hmm. and try to put it into performance um and i i think i would just like our audience to sort of walk away with a sense that they've experienced the same old piece they've heard perhaps many times um yes. with a completely fresh look <laughs> i think so i think that's something definitely that's going to happen um it's always it's always so moving to listen to a piece being played, but even more when there's like an accompanying performance. Um, yeah. And I think this is just going to be fantastic, really. Um, so for those listening, we're talking about the Dancing Chopin event um, on the 19th of October um, from 1 p.m. to 1.35 p.m. at Senate House um, on Mallet Street. Um the tickets range between six to eight pounds and you can buy them on the bloomsburyfestival.org.uk website. Um, you can book them via um, Eventbrite. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you, no one wants to miss out. I think this sounds beautiful, um, really fantastic. Um, and just really interesting to see how like this interplay is is going to you know, actually come to life. Um, so has it been much, has been much work, the practice now in, in the times leading up to the event? Um, it's been pretty crazy for, um, I mean, for the past month, because I've also started a new job up the road in the Royal Opera House as a ballet oh, wow. columnist. And uh, it is, some days I have to sort of rush from the opera house back to Bloomsbury to rehearse with the dancers and then rush back to the opera house for evening works. Um, so it's also very interesting to switch between a ballet accompanist's mindset to contemporary dance collaboration, which is less of a accompaniment than a, a ballet. Um, it's been definitely a crazy month, yeah. but it's totally worth it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I imagine, you know, work, your research, performing, all of it. But 
are you you know you are you excited you know do you feel oh, exhilarated are your friends coming sure. is I'm, everyone I'm so- <laughs> for it. I'm so excited for it to be you know um, in real performance and see how it's going to turn out to be in the end and uh, yeah also the audience reaction would be a, a I hope a big surprise <laughs> yeah. I think it, it should be positive I, I, yeah, I'm excited right. to, yeah. to, to to hear the reviews um, you know um, right yeah I think so you know and and do you feel like you've understood more um your doctoral your doctoral research more um now that you've you know collaborated on this project and you you've seen it come to life you know have you gained a deeper understanding or a new perspective in your research yeah I think I have um definitely gained more idea of um what works and what not especially on the narrative part um because it actually it seems easy to form a story but for it to make sense both in movement and music takes quite a bit of thinking and yeah. um yes and definitely now I think because there are parts of the dance and stories where we worked one worked out one version and we just thought it doesn't look good or it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to make sense overall. Um, therefore, we had to change it to make another version of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey. I think that's fantastic. Um, wow. Wow. This has been such an interesting conversation for me. And I do hope to Likewise. make it to the performance because it's just there's so much that's going on behind it and there's so much thought and there's so much theory and, 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 you know, research going in behind it, the collaboration. I think it's going to be wonderful to, to, to see it actually unfold on stage. And, and that's something I like so much about doing these interviews. It's that, you know, you pick the brain of the performer and, uh, and, and you kind of see what they were hoping to get out of it. And that gives you, you know, context and a new experience when you're going and watching their piece, because, it's so much more meaningful, um, which is why I think, you know, our listeners um, are going to be so prompted to come on the 19th. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. Aya. That's, that's really nice to hear. It's been great actually speaking to you. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, Ju. I appreciate, I appreciate it so much. Um, thank you. It's my pleasure. The pleasure was mine. Um, so, that was it um, from us. But if this all sounds interesting to you, which I really think it ought to be, um, we are talking about the Dancing Chopin event at the Bloomsbury Festival on the 19th of October from 1 p.m. to 1.35 p.m. at Senate House. Tickets are on sale on the Bloomsbury Festival website and you can book them at um, Eventbrite um, by the link on Eventbrite on the Bloomsbury Festival website. Um, Thank you again, Drew. Um, Thank you very much. This was fantastic chat. Um, And to everyone else, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you.